Hello again, and welcome to the Northern Kentucky Football Show Week 4 edition. Joining me is co-host Joe Daneman, the best in the business and best dressed today. And on the board is Jeremy Ziegler. Lots of points on Friday, men. The offense have have awoken from their slumber. We had uh, special teams points, defensive points as well. A kicker scored a touchdown. What? And the return of the Lloyd Juggernauts. How about that? Week four in the house. First of all, I just want to say this first. It's been a heartbreaking week for a couple of our show favorites. Dayton's Jordan Marksbury tore his ACL in last Saturday's game against Webster County. Huge loss for the Green Devils and for us because we like talking about them so much. And Newport Catholic's Jimmy Rackerson. Both of these guys are seniors. Got hurt in their game last week and is also lost for the season. Um, huge parts for their teams. You know, we wish them well and hope they not only get speedy and successful recoveries, but that they will once again get the chance to put on a helmet and do what it is they love. Stuff, isn't it? It is. And those are two guys that we've talked about a lot because of the two of the better playmakers here in Northern Kentucky. For me, my big takeaway from week four was two teams that I thought were better than their record, needed wins, got wins. Dixie. Bishop Rosser, two teams that really needed to get on the winning side because they're playing better football than the record shows, and they are better programs than the record shows, so they got to win. For their first time this season, Dixie, who I said was the best 0-2 team in the state, <laughs> yes, they're now 1-2, and and they looked like they could be a team who can go on a bit of a run here. Yeah, like this Dixie team. Well, let's get started with the, the Week 3 games. We have Newport Central Catholic 17, Newport 14 in the battle for the Newport Firefighters Bell. A terrific game. Jeremy and I were both there. But also one of the closest scores in the... Actually, I think it was the closest score in the previous 23 meetings of these two teams. Newport took an early 7-0 lead after Simon Keating had an interception on the Newcastle's first offensive possession. Newport then moved the ball down the field, and Ethan Jefferson ran the ball in from six yards out. Uh, however, that would be the last positive yards play Newport would have until the third quarter. Hmm. It was crazy. Newcast defense really swelled up there. Uh, they did have one, but it was negated by an illegal formation penalty, unfortunately. Uh, Newcast defense spent the remainder of the first half just absolutely dominating the Newport line and just terrorized their backfield. It was really impressive. Newcast got on the scoreboard following a muffed Newport snap. It was near the goal line in a punt formation, and my dude Justin Schneider dove on the ball in the end zone for six. Dale Don has a great picture on his Facebook. If you happen to see it, Dale takes pictures for the Tribune and the Enquirer. It was pretty cool. Um, this kid, just a playmaker. He's got a nose for the ball, and he's always in the right spot. Malachi Herndon had a four-yard touchdown run, and then Sam Lavin would boot another field goal for uh, to give the Breds a 17-7 lead at intermission. Second half, just like in a song, round two, down two. Do what it takes to make you, Joe. You like those little things there. Understand I'm the candy man. You ever heard that song? Long time. It's a 90s song. The candy man. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Newport's offense, the candy man. Who sang the candy man? I don't remember. I was a freshman <laughs> in high school. Newport's offense came alive, man, in the second half. So did their defense. Newcath would not score another point the rest of the game. Newport put on some really good drives, including their first drive of the third quarter, which took seven minutes off the clock. I looked at Jeremy and I said, have they had, did they have the ball that entire time? Because it was literally like five minutes or 4.58 or whatever it was. And it, it was really impressive. It ended in a James Martin touchdown. Man, this kid, watching him live, he's impressive. 
It's a firecracker just running around. Uh, that made it 17 to 14. And neither team would score again. Newport threatened a couple times, including on their last possession. Uh, Newcastle offense only had 175 yards, but 147 on the ground. Newport finished with 112 yards, but had three fumbles. Huge. Especially that last one. Yeah, huge. Driving downfield two minutes to go. Yeah. Just a killer. Ethan Jefferson was 7 of 11 for 55 yards. James Martin ran for 46 yards. Malachi Herndon was 11 for 20 for only 28 yards and two interceptions, but ran for 50 yards on 10 carries. Buddy Atkins, who played in his first game for New Kith after transferring from Bellevue, had a really nice game. And per Terry Bemker, had 53 yards on four carries, caught three passes, and had two punts for 75 yards. His rushing in the second half was a big factor for Newcastle offense, man, because they were struggling. Um, he's big, strong, and when he broke through that first line, he was tough to bring down and did a lot of positive things for him or for that team. Uh, with the loss of Jameer Ackerson, man, they're going to need all the positives they can get. Joey Runyon. Joey Runyon had a really good first half and just kind of got stuffed up in a second. Uh, Joey and Buddy can give them uh, a lot of positives. But in regards to Herndon, who is now the vital heartbeat of this offense, they really need to protect him. He's taking a lot of hits. Going in, they got a bye week coming up, so he's going to need to get his body healthy. So some of my takeaways from this game. Newport played Newcath closer than I expected. 17-14, as you mentioned, probably the closest. It was the closest game they've had in the last 23 meetings, even though 23 straight now for Newcath in the series. Newport is playing some defense. Yes. I don't know if you've added up the stats. Seven interceptions now in three games, so they got ball hawks back there making plays. They had two more interceptions in this game, so that's now seven in three games. I continue to be impressed by Alex Green. Five catches in this game, 40 yards. We've seen him play quarterback. We've seen him make interceptions. This guy's a playmaker all over the field for Newport. So Newport, to me, is a team that every week it seems they're in their game. Either they're winning their game, they're in their game. So they've obviously got something pretty decent going on down at Newport. Can they put it together and start winning games? The Newcath game, obviously only lost by three. The Holmes game, they lost by six. So they're in games, and they have playmakers on their team. For Newcath, it's it's so different seeing Newcath 3-0 and with a chance now to be undefeated before they go play Beachwood because we're so used to seeing Newcath with a record that's around 500 because they're playing teams. Non-district. Yeah, yeah, they're swinging up a little bit. Uh, this year they're not doing that. They couldn't do that because of the schedule. So to see them undefeated with a chance to go on a run here before they play Beachwood in a few weeks uh, is just different. It's unique for, for me as an outside viewer looking at Newcath. But Buddy Atkins, what a huge, huge boost this is going to be for a team who lost Jameer Ackerson. Six touches. 65 yards in his first game, also the punter. So this is a guy that they can plug in right now. Obviously, he's he's comfortable. He's got the ball in his hands, actually seven touches, four carries and three catches. So that's a guy who can walk on the field and be a difference maker, and he did week one, his first week with Newcastle. <clears throat> Nicholas County 38, Ludlow 16. Team tap out drops another one to a really good Nicholas County team who's now 3-0 on the year. How about our man Braxton Newborn? 202 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and a two-point conversion. This kid's off to an incredible start. 586 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns in three games. That's unreal. Yeah, Braxton's got something brewing down at Ludlow, man. He is something else. 200 yards rushing. Also, 11 tackles on defense was yeah. their leading tackler. He's obviously the most important player they have down there. Austin Daniels, who has been putting up massive numbers at quarterback for Ludlow. Only 4 of 11 for 42 yards in this game. So, 
Um, obviously, Nicholas County took away the passing game. Braxton mm-hmm. Newborn got loose running the ball. But the big thing in this game was Ludlow's defense could not stop Nicholas County from running. They had more than 330 yards rushing. That is a massive number, and that'll make any coach tap out. Yeah, tap out. The, the Tenter kid down there at, at Nicholas County has rushed for well over 100 yards in every game they've played. And I, mean, I talked to Coach Wiggins, who they're going down there to play this week, and talked about how imperative it is to be able to stop the run. And that's a big district game coming it, up for Brossard. That's Nicholas, or that's Brossard's biggest threat to mm-hmm. win that district is Nicholas County. Rowan County, 53, Scott, 30. Another tough loss for the Eagles Friday night. Dropping a district game 6,000 miles from home. No fun at all, right? Uh, Scott's offense made plays and score 30 points is really good. Just got to find ways to get stops. You know, they're in a, they're still in this non-preseason or no having no preseason funk that hopefully this week they'll be able to come out of it. Look, they've installed a new offense with no chance to rep it in the spring or the summer. Their flow just isn't really good right now, and some of their moxie shaking a little bit. They've had a lot of success up here in the last decade. Uh, you could tell some of that confidence is is waning a little bit. They'll get it back, no doubt. Uh, still seven games left before the postseason, but seven games that aren't guaranteed wins. I mean, they need a they need a solid week this week to solidify as a unit, both offensively and defensively. Uh, no doubt that's been going through Coach Turner's head since Friday night. Uh, I got faith in the Eagle Posse. You wonder how much the week one loss, the week one for them, mm-hmm. loss to Boone County is a bit of a hangover. I understand that. That, that. that can happen, I'm sure, to a team. That can shake their confidence a little bit. They had a lead in the game. They blew the lead, and that can kind of linger with the team, I'm sure. Um, I, I'll say this. Um, you know, as somebody not as attached to the program as you are, I'm a little disappointed after a couple of weeks with uh, results for Scott, I expected better. Look, they're scoring points. Mm-hmm. They're scoring a lot of points. What, they score 30 in this game? And they put some points up against Boone County. But uh, I expected Scott uh, to be off to a little bit better of a start. Um, and I think that just speaks to the expectations that are around here now. There is a lot of expectations. There should be. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're a better football program than an 0-2 start. Um, and, um, you know, that's that's the challenge for Coach. That's yeah. the challenge for the whole team to, uh, to get it right. And yeah. you're right. They do have time. But it's funny how, how quickly the season does go. You know, we're in week four already, and it just feels like we snapped our fingers. Yeah, and also not having that first week game. Look, we talked about in the in the lead up to the the show right now is that the offenses have kind of awoken a little bit, and they did not have that first game. They played a scrimmage against Connor. Obviously, a ten o'clock in the morning scrimmage is not a seven thirty Friday night. Let's go out and get it. So, you know, it's week three. Let's see, you know, how it works there. Gus Hallett was 15 of 32 for 200 yards passing, um, two touchdowns. Anthony Perrin, you know, here's the thing. They rushed, they only rushed for 13 yards. Hmm. Um, Zach Weyer had a touchdown running, but, uh, you know, only had one touch for three yards there. Um, Got to be able to find ways to run. And look, here's the other thing. You know, they run more of like a shovel pass out of the backfield. So the rushing yards are kind of deceptive because those are passes. So, you know, that's just kind of the new system that they're running. Uh, Riley Huff had 61 yards receiving with a touchdown. Uh, Nolan Hunter also had a catch for 31-yard touchdown play. Uh, Luke Iden. How about my dude Luke Iden? Luke Iden is the kicker, all right? Luke Iden had a, what, 70, 75-yard touchdown on a kickoff return. That's my cat right there. This kid plays all week long on the soccer team and then goes out on Friday night just to play the football and goes up and – does a real man's work. And a big point forward for the basketball team. Exactly. That's man. 
Soccer, football, yeah. and basketball. Yeah. How about this? Riley Huff, basketball player. Nolan Hunter, basketball player. Gus Hallett's mullet's a basketball player. It's awesome. Um, Luke also had a field goal in this game. Defensively, they were led by Zach Shepard, also on the basketball team. 12 tackles. Awesome. Jordan Johnson had 11 tackles, and Damon Hacker had 10 tackles. So, uh, Johnson Central, 47. Simon Kitten, 70, 17. Dudes, Johnson Central is really good. The really. pancake platoon. Have you heard of I this? Saw, I just now saw it yesterday. Did you see KSR. that picture? Oh, my God. These cats. Dude. Now you know why they're one of the best programs in the state. Those guys, that looks like a small college offensive line. So I have here, their offensive line is monstrous, led by Grant Bingham, who holds 17 D1 offers. Yeah, UK really wants him. Wow. I mean, their, their skill guys are lightning quick, too, and they just don't, they don't beat themselves. Uh, Mason Lawson had four touchdowns, and they had three other dudes rush for 100 yards each, making winning look easy against a really good Simon Kenton team. Chase Crone was 14 for 32. 124 yards and a touchdown. He also rushed for 36 yards. Jaden Lawson ran for 46 yards on 11 carries. Marcus Co- Courtney had an impressive 17-yard touchdown run. I saw that on the on your all show. And it had the lone receiving touchdown from Chase Crone. Nick Seeger kicked another field goal for the Pioneers. Brennan Miller led the Simon Kitten defense with nine tackles, and Daniel Fagan added seven. Bottom line here from last week's preview of this game, statewide attention. You know, would Chase be able to be a dual threat in this game? We know he can do both really well. Would he be able to do that? Could Simon Kenton run a go, run the ball against the legit defensive front? You know, could SK's vaunted defense be a, able to contain this arguably one of the five best offenses in the state? Look, Simon Kenton hasn't given up 493 rushing yards to any team in the history of life, boys, and football. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't given up 617 yards of offense in a history of earth water and football and i'm impressed with that johnson central that they drove here three hours and put on a display of this caliber man you know i like that simon kitten doesn't care who you are let's lace them up and let's play you know fact is on this night johnson central is the number one ranked 4a team in the state they are the number four overall team on the ap poll that on that night friday night they beat any northern kentucky team like that doesn't matter who it is that's how good they are um you want to win 6a Got to play teams like that. That's it. And I think that's important to say. Um, a 30-point win. I didn't expect that from Johnson Central. I knew Simon Kent would have their hands full. But 47 points in independence, that's impressive. And I read some comments from Johnson Central's coach after the game. That's a, that's a program who plays with a chip on their shoulder. Yes, they do. I love it. I saw that interview. And they came up here, and they, they knew the importance of this game. So did Simon Kenton, that there would be eyeballs all over the state seeing what would happen in this game. So for them to come up here and perform the way they did was impressive. Jaden Lawson and Chase Crone, um, that, that's one of the better young backfields in Northern Kentucky. 26 carries, only 82 yards. That That's tough. They, they, they needed to take care of the ball, control the ball, control the clock, try to keep it away from Johnson Central. When you can't get the running game going, obviously your defense is going to be on the field for a lot of the game, and they were obviously to give up the yards they gave up in this game. It, Simon Ketton, to me... Um, and it doesn't get any easier playing Russell next week. Russell's had a really good season, score a ton of points. So th- this is kind of one of those things that we talk about these hangovers. Can Simon Kenton flush this, move on, get better, and play better football going forward? Or will this ding their confidence a little bit? That That's the challenge for Coach Marksbury here because Simon Kenton 
they're not used to losing by 30 points on their home field. It doesn't happen. And giving up that kind of yardage. So that's now the challenge for Jeff Marksbury to get these guys, rally them up. And, you know, you can speak to this as a coach, that every team has a different personality. How will they handle it? That That's the question, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing from Simon Kenton going forward. Uh, you got punched in the mouth a little bit. Yeah. Can you take it, and can can you get better from it and play better football from here on out? Dude, 6A football in the state, it is punch in the mouth football. Mm-hmm. So if you want to win it, you got to do that. And, look, going into Russell this week, you know, Russell's 3-0. and I think that they'll be ready for this challenge. I really do. It's going to be a long, be a long drive. So we'll see uh, what happens there. Walton Verona, 34, Gallatin County, a great district win for the Bearcats on Friday. A must win for these young men coming off of two weeks where they played really good programs. And like we said, those games would get them ready for this district. They're not going to play anybody in the district that is as good and has the kind of talent as Newport Catholic and Simon Kenton. Trey Hatmaker, 7 of 14, 118 yards at a touchdown Friday. Awesome to see him get rolling, man. Jacob Gaines, another good night for the – on the ground for the Bearcats, 62 yards, two touchdowns. He also had 99 receiving yards and a touchdown, so a huge night for him. Gives him five touchdowns on the season, too. Jonathan Freeman added 57 yards rushing <clears throat> and two touchdowns. And Wiley Baker ran for 58 yards, which ended in the first victory for the Bearcats. Dawson Catlett had led the defense with eight tackles, and Carter Birch had seven, including two for a loss. Beachwood, 35, Ryle, 14. Big night here for two legacy names in Fort Mitchell on Friday night. Mitchell Berger, who was the best of all the Berger football players, had three touchdowns that included one, or included touchdown runs of one yard and three yards and had a 40-yard or 43-yard touchdown catch where he showed some some of his awesomeness with a Fox 19 final quarter highlight catch. Huh? Juggling. Awesome. FQ top three finalists. Finished second. In the voting on Twitter. That's ridiculous. He's a sophomore. Sophomore. He's a monster. Cameron Hergett, who is the best of all Hergett football players, threw for 330 yards and two touchdowns. Man, it's nice to see him. Obviously, we know what he can do on the ground. But to have a 330-yard passing night, just if you're anybody in 2A downstate and you see that, it's like, uh, yeah. And it's not just him. You know, you look at him and the numbers pop out, 318 yards passing and two touchdowns. But you look at the skill position players and you look at the future of Beachwood football. They have guys that, to me right now, are popping that aren't seniors. Parker Mason, seven yeah. catches, 125 yards. Brady Moore, a junior, four catches, 95 yards. Mitchell Berger's a sophomore. He has three touchdowns, including a highlight reel touchdown catch. So you've got guys that are coming up that are going to keep this Beachwood program going. And then you got defensive players like Austin Waddle, who steps in at linebacker as a sophomore, has a pick six. So you're talking about juniors and sophomores making plays right now for Beachwood. And then you add in the quarterback, who right now is playing better than any quarterback in Northern Kentucky. Or the state, maybe. Maybe. He might be. And he's putting up massive numbers. The one thing I wondered about, I was at this game for about a quarter and a half and, you know, sometimes, you know, you see this snippet and you make these judgments from just the snippet you see. I, I do wonder if if Cameron, he's such a good player, tries to make too many big plays. You know, he was running around a lot trying to make plays, and Riles started to get to him a little bit in the second half. A couple of guys had some sacks. So good on Riles' defense. But I'm sure Noel wants get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, let your playmakers make plays. But Cameron is so talented. You see him back there, and it looks easy for him sometimes to make guys miss and make plays down the field. When the competition gets better and they're playing games that matter come playoffs and trying to go to state, 
you do wonder you can't take those kind of you know sacks those those can be drive killers and, and momentum killers that if he wants to get rid of the ball just a little bit quicker Beachwood's defense was awesome Friday night held a route of 14 yards offense in the first half and they only had 41 yards of offense when Beachwood began to sub out their defensive starters in the late third quarter Braden Lyons threw two touchdowns in the fourth quarter a 15-yard pass to Jamison Smith and a 50-yard pass to Will Watkins uh, like you said uh, Wilson Pendleton for Ryle had three sacks on Cam Hergett in the game a few things number one Mitchell Berger is a stud it's really nice to see him kind of have that game like I've watched this kid play since he was eight years old and he's always been an animal and when I used to officiate his games I tell him all the time you're the best of all the burgers I always told him that always oh and I used to tell his dad Brandon Berger who was a stud at Beachwood I'm glad to see that he's creating his own shadow obviously you can you know we cover enough kids you you know enough kids that who who had successful parents they got to get their own shadow I deal with one on the basketball team right now who's just trying to get out of that and do his own thing and, and that's something that they think about. You know, number two, Cameron Hergett, he's just warming up, man. I'm telling you. He's just warming up. Big he's, games on the ground. He's so impressive. And the previous two. And it looks so easy to him yeah. sometimes. He's just back there kind of looking like, you know, he's got everything under control. And uh, nothing is too fast for him. The game looks slow for him, which is a compliment that he can kind of slow things down and pick things apart. He just kind of plays the game with a style and a, I, I guess the word is, is almost like a grace. He looks graceful the way he plays the game. And, man, he can spin it. He can really spin that thing down the field. He's, that, that is a state championship team. And That's I saw it. some of the yeah. comments from, from Noel Rash after the game, and Noel is one not, not to really lay a ton of compliments on his team. I, I got a feeling Noel knows what he has with oh, this yeah. group. He knows He's not stupid. This group is really, really <laughs> special. And... Um, yeah, I've said from week one they look state championship good, and I, this game did nothing to change my mind, if not make me think even more they are the best team in their class. If their defense continues to suffocate teams and they stay healthy, they'll win 2A. Yeah. I really believe that. I agree. Dixie 26, Madison Central 14. Dixie strikes back. Dixie Colonels notch win number one in the win column. A much-needed win for this, this group of kids who've really played well this season. Dixie had 262 yards offensively including 103 yards from Pierce Rollman. Our dude. That's our dude who continues to play big for this Dixie team. He's a beast, and he's our people. And he rocks the party that rocks your body. Remember that song? Yes, I do. Man. He's Look, good. He's he is, everywhere. He's everywhere, man. I mean, I, that kid doesn't get a chance to take a break. He's on the field all the time. We don't have any defensive stats for Dixie, um, so I can't – I don't know what he did on defense, but Logan Landers, 11 of 23 for 64 yards. He did have two picks, which I know he need, he'll clean up, but he needs to get them out of the system for their districts, honestly. Uh, Silas McDaniel had bookend touchdowns and a big night for Dixie. He got the party started in the first quarter on a one-yard touchdown run and then nailing door shut with a five-yard touchdown run with 218 to play. Simon Sharp had a three-yard touchdown run. And Kel Hawkins, I saw that highlight from you guys the other night, had a monster 77-yard interception return. I saw that he even posted that. Yeah. I love it. I love when that happens. You that know. makes my That's night. awesome. Look, that was a game changer. That play right there was what really changed that game because Madison Central had a quarterback, a big kid. Um, he got hurt in the first half, and that kind of changed things. Uh, he looked like he had really good control of the offense, and I thought that was going to be a great football game. If he was in the game, he was a guy who would get the ball out quickly into space and let his guy make plays. 
he got banged up. He left the game, and then Dixie um, kind of seemed like, yeah, it was the, it was their game from that point on. But when you make plays like Kel Hawkins makes, defensive touchdown, 77-yard defensive touchdown, those are game changers. That one changed the game a little bit. You're right. Um, Logan didn't have his best game, 11 for 23, 64 yards, two interceptions. Those aren't his normal stats. But it, it felt like Dixie could control this game with the ground game. They did. Pierce Roman had a big game. Silas McDaniel had a couple of touchdowns. I really liked they, they were doing a lot of things, getting the ball to Simon Sharp, smaller guy, slot guy. He would come on some jet motion. They would get the ball to him. He was making plays. That seemed to be the play that they used a lot in the first half. I saw Coach Brossard use it three or four times of getting the ball to Simon Sharp, and he would come flying around that corner, and it was getting chunks, seven, seven yards, nine yards, 11 yards. So Simon Sharp was a guy they really got some touches, got him involved in the offense. But more than anything, Dixie needed it. They needed that win. They played Cupcat tough. They played Corbin down to the final minute. They needed a win. They got it. And now they can probably vault forward knowing that, okay, deep breath. We can win. We did it. And now we can go forward because their schedule gets tough. It's going to get tough. Yeah. Lloyd, 54, Bellevue, zero. Big first game output for the Jugs in this one. 387 yards on the ground led by Quentin Jones, who ran five times for 118 yards at a touchdown. Ethan Spalding ran for 60 yards. Lloyd got rushing touchdowns from Amari Riley, Michael Sasson, Jeremiah Lyles, and Caden Zulager. I hope I pronounced that right. And Zoolander? Land- Zoolander? Zoolager. And Landon Bishop had a 40-yard touchdown run. We talked with Coach Niederman last week about the importance of returning quarterback Jake Davidson to this group. And it's obviously he ran the offense well. They didn't need to throw the ball much. He was only 4-7 for 38 yards and touchdown passes to Braxton Irwin and Matt Riley. But, hey, you get that experienced guy out there, you know, marching the team down, getting scores, defense doing their job. Can't ask for anything more. For me, it was the atmosphere that really stood out. I was there for the first quarter and kind of the, the 10 minutes leading up to kickoff, and it was just this relief, excitement, joy to have Lloyd back on the field. You could feel it from the stands. You could feel it from the players and the coaching staff. It was, they had signs, welcome back jugs, everything, everywhere to get this atmosphere feeling like a football game. And it was just good to see. Uh, you know, we, we've talked so much about the mental health of, of young people needing this outlet. And you could feel the, the excitement coming from the Lloyd team as they left the locker room to hit the field. Um, Coaches, coach is an intense guy. Coach had them ready. Coach had them ready. He was ready. You should have seen him before the game. Coach Niederman was ready to play some football. <laughs> but some guys that popped for me, Mike Wallington, I know yeah. you have him written down here, had two sacks on defense. He also had a tackle for loss. He's a big guy. Um, he, he's, he's a guy I could see just from them lining up before the game that they lean on him as a captain, yeah. not just as a playmaker, but as a personality with this team until Mike Wallington popped a little bit. Jacob Davidson, of course, the quarterback's a good player. Braxton Irwin had a touchdown. I saw that. Uh, he made a nice play. But the atmosphere to me was what really stood out. 54 nothing. sure. I mean, Bellevue, uh, you know, I, you're right. We don't know what to say about Bellevue. Um, it's been a tough start. Um, you, you look at them, you can tell they're outnumbered. They only have 29 kids that were dressing um, for the game. Um but to me, and I said it on the news, Lloyd's one of the more under-talked about consistent programs around. That's I a mean, fact. What, eight, nine years in a row now of winning seasons? Um, you go out and put a number like 54 nothing out there. They're well-coached. They have expectations. And they have some players. I, I think this Lloyd team surprised me with not just 
how big they were. Some other guys, that Wallington kid's a, he's a monster. Their size impressed me, but just the expectation of what their football program looked like, what Coach Niederman expected from these guys, not just from playing football, but lining up just to walk out to the field. There was an expectation that they're going to do this right, and they're going to go out there and play winning football. They went out there and proved it. That was a statement to me, what Lloyd did week one. And we have talked about this before. Eric Turner leaves and goes to Lloyd. Um, I don't know. It might have been eight, nine, ten years ago, like you were just talking about. And things just kind of turned around. And he, they had a great run while he was there. And then he leaves to come here. Kyle steps in. Both Boone County guys doing it their way. Doing it the right way. Which is what gives me hope that we're going to be fine here. You know, Eric's going to be fine. They just got to get everything settled. You know, these guys don't forget how to coach. Right. Right. They yeah. don't. They don't forget it. So, I don't know. I will say one thing about Bellevue. Colton, his song is a good ball player. He is a good player. Yeah. Yeah. He he's a, a good, good playmaker. Player. Um, you know, he's at, at times it kind of felt like he was trying to do everything himself. I understand which, that too. You know, that's the way it's going to be. And that's what, you know, same thing that happened last couple of years for Buddy Atkins. Yeah. Same deal. Yeah. But he's a good player. And uh, I wanted to make sure he got a shout out because he was taking hits. He was making plays. He just kept coming. Uh, Colton just kept playing. And um, yeah. So Bellevue, uh, rough start. It is a Winless start. so far, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Winless. Bishop Brossert, 35, Holy Cross, 7. Good time for Brossert to notch their first win of the season. And as they head into three straight district seed games, huge night for Jacob Light. Hey, talked to Coach Wiggins. We were pronouncing his name wrong. It's Jacob oh. Light, like it's Light. in the light switch. Okay. How about that? Jacob Light. 5 for 12, Let there yards. be. Let there be light. There it is. And it's a Catholic school, so it kind of like a, it's like a Bible verse. Perfect. This little light of mine. Fifth day of football. Let there be light. <laughs> Five for 12 for 54 yards and a touchdown. He ran the ball 22 times. Give me those numbers. Yeah, 123 yards. Boom. Actually, I wrote down one, two, three, four. So if he ran for 1,234 yards, I think that we might uh, That'd be a record. put a statue up for him. But five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. Four running. and a- We've been challenging him on this show. Yes. To, to be himself. Jacob Light. Congratulations. Five total That's touchdowns great. after I'm sure uh, he was disappointed with the way he played to start Agreed. the season. To come out here, they scored 35 points. That's five touchdowns. He was involved in all five. So Jacob Light, let it burn. Trevor Shadler had 122 yards on 15 carries. David, Boy, he's consistent. Uh, dude, I'm telling you what, this kid, he's just busting it out. David Govan had a 12-yard touchdown reception. And Carson Shermer had a 25-yard catch as well. Holy Cross playing without some key players on Friday falls to one and two on the season. Tough night for Javier Eisen, only three of 18, and all three were caught by Jacob Laws for 12 total yards. Big night for LeVar Jones, though, who rushed for 128 yards on 14 carries. He scored the lone Indian touchdown. Holy Cross is going to need to get healthy prior to next week. Well, we're going to step out, uh, Coach Wiggins, to talk about this big 35-7 win. Bishop Brossert football coach Paul Wiggins after his team posts a big week three victory over Holy Cross on Friday. Coach, it had to feel good to see your defense play so well this week. It, it was. It was. We, we've made some adjustments. And again, we with the abbreviated uh, you know, practice season and then the games, uh, we had some um, parts we've got to you know, adjust after graduation last year. And so we're, it's, a, it's a work in progress, but I, I felt like we we're going in the right direction now. Jacob Light's five touchdown night. What does that do for his confidence rolling into district play? 
Uh, I think it, it boosts him greatly. He's he's a pretty he's quiet, but he's pretty confident kid. Um, and he he knew uh, the first two weeks he he'd been a little inconsistent at times. Um, so this actually, I think, it, uh, sends him in a in a great direction now. Yeah, he's had a good season. Just you know, mistake here, mistake there, kind of just compounds everything for him. It seems like. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a junior. He's mm-hmm. still learning, and um, actually, last year in the off season, um, it, I think he was a sophomore, and, and after basketball season, he started coming to weights. And I started talking to him about quarterback, and um, he thought about it, and uh, he uh, he dove in head first. Trevor Shadler with another big game. How important is it to have that dude in your backfield that you know is going to get you the yards you need in tough situations? With the Shadler family in general, his brother played for me a few years ago, and they only know one speed, and that's 100%. And literally, I know this is cliche, you hear it all the time, but I could literally ask his brother Derek, and I can ask Trevor, um, I need a hole in this wall. <laughs> and he will just he will just lower his shoulder and try to make a hole in that wall. That's the kind of attitude he comes with. He only knows one speed. But those players put the foundation of that season on their back and just let it go and let that feed into the other guys, and it it all of a sudden becomes just uh, the law almost in a way. Well, and that's what um, – and, you know, over the last few years, my, like my 2015 team, I had seniors that did the same thing that these guys are doing. Uh, we got a couple linemen too, like Cody, uh, Cody Orth and Devin McCormick. Uh, they're like four-year starters, and they are two of my uh, two of my three captains, along with actually Trevor. And those guys are just—they're uh, really trying to push the younger guys to uh, to step up to the plate. Looking ahead to Nicholas County, they've also got a stud in the backfield who's turned out great performances in their three victories. Is containment of their run game the critical factor in that game? It is because. Rock down there does a ridiculously awesome job at just reloading, and they go old. They're old school, you know. They're double tights. They're, you know, wishbone backfield. And uh, you look at it on film, you're like, hey, this should be easy to stop. But they've got it down to a science, and it's it's you know, you make adjustments, uh, but they block really well, and they they run really well as you know too. And you both have a common opponent in Ludlow. Is there anything from your Ludlow game, is there anything that you've seen out of those two films that you feel that it gives you some confidence going into this week? Actually, Steve, what, what, I, what, I've been, what we've been doing is treating these first three games almost like preseason games. I understand um, I don't like I don't like taking an L. I don't like you know uh, putting an L on my record or the school's record. But we... Um, We've been trying to get our things together. So I, uh, while I don't like taking losses, I, I look at those two games and I'm like, uh, we're just trying. We we will, we will spend an hour and a half on our two hours on a Saturday morning on our film because we've got to fix ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I I told the boys not to get caught up in the comparisons of scores because it, it's often you know styles that come and play in that kind of situation. So. Um, now we we know what we get out of Nicholas. We've been playing him for five five years now. Um, it's really about what we can do, and not so much what someone else tried to do. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time here, especially on a Sunday away from the family. Wishing you guys luck this week, man. Hey, thanks thanks a lot. I appreciate you reaching out. Loveland forty eight, Holmes fourteen. Tough night for the Bulldogs in Covington on Friday in the second quarter. And Marion Arnold had a five yard touchdown run. 
followed up by a Curtis Hill 77-yard touchdown pass from Tez Callaway. Jonathan Meyer added the two-point conversion there. The Bulldogs were without Tay Callaway. Tough loss for them. Hopefully he'll be better for next week. Tez Callaway finished near 200 yards on the ground. Curtis Hill also had about 60 yards on the ground. Boyle County 46, Highland 7, the number two ranked team in the 4A and seventh ranked in the state, rolled into Fort Thomas and then rolled all over the Bluebirds in a game that unfortunately was never close and ended under the mercy rule format. You know, Highlands is what they are right now, man. People want them to be the Highlands of old. Are they better than they've been? Maybe. Have they got some pieces? Yes, they do. But the thought that these kids are going to put on a uniform and be transformed into something otherworldly is just ridiculous. You know, those days ended the moment that they closed the Fort Thomas border and sealed off any outside players coming in. You know, first things first, how about this? Boyle County is just really, really good. How about saying that? You know, I was on the Bluegrass preps and people were just hammering this Highlands group. How about saying, you know, man, Boyle County is just really good. Boyle County is one of the best programs yeah. in the state. Yeah. And, and they showed why they're the seventh-ranked team in the state. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm glad our kids got to see that type of competition prior to playing Connor, Covcath. What's this Highlands team like if Cameron Herget doesn't write Lee Fort Thomas? I know. You know he's in Fort Mitchell now. Whatever transpired there, I don't know. But his, both his brothers played for Highlands. He's not playing there. But then again, we wouldn't have a chance to talk about Charlie Noon. Charlie Noon got the nod in this one. He was 8 of 16 for 43 yards and a touchdown. He also led the ground attack with 37 yards. The lone Bluebird touchdown came just before halftime when noontime hit Brennan Kelsey for a 20-yard touchdown. And that was set up by a big kickoff return from senior Jason No, You know, here's the other thing. Highlands played a really good team and lost. They lost because they played a superior offense and their defense couldn't get stops. You know, when you're 2 of 12 on third down and 0 of 2 on fourth down and you give your defense zero opportunities to get rest or make proper adjustments, I don't know what anybody can expect. You know, but going into a huge seed game at Connor this coming week, it's a Saturday night game. I believe it's probably the TV game of the week. A couple of things that jumped out to this game to me. First, I want to make sure I'm in the stands for that 4A state championship game when Will <laughs> County and Johnson Central play. Wow. These two teams are legit. They both came to Northern Kentucky and played brand-name teams here and won by 30-plus, both of them. For Highlands, you're right. Those third-down and fourth-down numbers, that's what gets you beat. Their defense played well early. They really did. They they kept Highlands in the game. I think the first drive, they kept Boyle County out of the end zone, forced them to a field goal. But when you play great teams, you got to play great yourself. They didn't play great. I think Coach Weinrich would tell you that Highlands didn't play well enough to beat a really good team. Mm And I think the big takeaway from this game is they committed to Charlie Noon as the starting quarterback for all four quarters. You know, we're we're not inside the program. We can't make these judgments from ourselves. But what we've seen so far this year by looking at the snippets we've seen of games, me being on the sideline for a couple of games, and then looking at box scores and just seeing what happens to a team when a guy gets in there, that felt like to me the most important thing for this team to do was to settle the quarterback position. And it feels like they've done that now. And look, you know, 12 carries, 37 yards, 8 for 16, 43 yards. Not not a big night offensively for him. You're playing Boyle County, who's one of the top 10 teams in the state, regardless of class. But the fact now that this team knows their identity, it's Charlie Noonan quarterback, going forward, they're committed to him. I think that's a step in the right direction before they start playing important games here as we get towards the second half of the season. If Highlands wants to make some noise and, and win some games, there are winnable games left on their schedule. 
I, you know, I, I don't put it past Highlands and, and Coach Weinrich figuring this thing out and being a dangerous team in the second half of the year. But to me, the fact that they've settled the quarterback position, I think, is massive for this team going forward. Do you, let me ask you a question as a Northern Kentucky guy as well and a news guy. Do you think if Cuffcath wasn't as dominant as they've been the last few years, there's as much barking at Highlands as there's been? No. You know, it's the standard. You, you look at each other, and I'm sure the same thing was at Covcath when Highlands was going I think through. It was. Their, absolutely there was. I remember being at Eddie Eviston's opening press conference. This is a high school coach, his opening press conference, and, and one of the questions he got was, so, Coach, how do you beat Highlands? So that's the standard they live up to, and I'm sure the same thing is asked over there. Oh, you look down the down the street at Cuffcath and they're they're going on and you know they've won forty six of the last forty seven games or something like that. And and they see that 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 certainly adds to the urgency of getting it right at Highlands. And um yeah, there's no question, Steve, that that makes a huge difference at the expectations of a program. But as an outside guy, I look at it on two things. Cuffcast a private school. They can get kids from all these other feeder schools whether they live in Boone County or Campbell County, whereas in, in Highlands, they don't have that open enrollment anymore. You know, the days of Jared Lorenzen living right behind Scott and rolling out and being the star quarterback there, those days are over. You've got what you've got there. You've got a really good feeder program. You know, the freshman team's usually really good. Is it translating? Maybe not. Maybe not. But I just have a really hard time. It's, just, it's really hard for me to crap on high school kids. Of and course. look, they have a one and two start, but look at the schedule. They played exactly. two six A teams, and now the best one of the best teams in four A this week. So they've built a schedule to prepare them to compete with Cuffcath and to compete in their district. Exactly. And you talk about Cuffcath when some of the struggles that they went through, they had coaches get fired. A couple coaches got fired. Number one, they were playing a non district schedule that was stupid. LaSalle, St. X. Mm-hmm. Didn't give him a chance. And then you could lose the game to Highlands. It didn't matter. It didn't matter whatever you did during the year. You could have gone nine and one, lost the Highlands, and you were still getting crapped on. I'm just I'm not a fan of that. So well, anyway, speaking of Cuffcath, Cuffcath 47, Cooper nothing. Cuffcath offense, man, gets on track in this one. Caleb Jacob, 17 of 23 for 261 yards and three touchdowns. Something that Coach Eviston has got to feel really good about. He also ran for 51 yards and two touchdowns, getting in on the action. Oh, and now he ran for 56 yards and a score. Ryan Schneider caught four balls for 77 yards and a touchdown. Ethan Reardon with another good game, 61 yards and receiving and two touchdowns. Uh, Cuffcath had 134 yards on the ground and 261 in the air. Look, it's huge for Caleb Jacob to get on track here. First couple games, it was more on foot. The important thing for this game, and we talked about it after their their Beachwood game, is that Covcath had a chance here now on the schedule to kind of get the offense going a bit, try to start to build a little timing, start to build a little confidence. And we've talked about the playmakers so far this year, Ethan Reardon making plays, mm-hmm. Ryan Schneider, who popped the first couple of weeks, he's making plays as well. To me, and we talked about it last week, what was the big thing for Eddie Eviston to clean up this week, to get right this week? They had nine penalties for 100 yards against Beachwood. In this game, you talk about good coaching, one penalty, five yards. You knew that was very much an emphasis <laughs> for Eddie Eviston this week to get that right. They got it right against Cooper. Look, this was, I don't want to call it a mismatch, but it kind of felt like a mismatch with Cuffcat playing Cooper. Obviously, Cooper's not Cooper this year to me. They're, they're, not, they're not the usual Cooper team that I'm used to seeing. Uh, Cuffcat was expected to win this game by a lot, and they did. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, it's kind of a slow start for Cubcats. I don't think they scored in the first quarter, but I believe they scored on their final six drives. No turnovers, no penalties, clean game. And um, to me, that that's important for them. They scored every time they were inside the red zone. So those are the things you got to do to be a good football team going forward. And again, this is that, that opportunity now where the schedule kind of eased up for a few weeks for Cubcat to get things right and get things rolling. Positive first step for the Colonels. Ben Dickhouse led the defensive pack with five tackles in a sack. Theo Drees and Jake Daneman. Jakey D. Both had interceptions. Also, Jake finally tackled someone. <laughs> a family high, three tackles. That's a record, right? He might be the only Daneman to ever tackle somebody. Oh, his daddy could hit. But he didn't tackle anybody. He might have hit somebody. Yeah, he yeah. He, he was more of a uh he was more of a, a wide receiver, DB, kick returner. He did everything. He was good. Good night for Jake. Yeah. Happy for Jake. Cooper just needs something positive to happen for them, man. You know, they're home again next week against a really good Clark County team. But some positivity needs to happen early and maybe you know, something good happened. You know, a pick six or a touchdown or a kickoff return run or a, a punt return. Something to rejuvenate their spirit a little bit. Well, again, we saw a team that we wondered what they were doing with the quarterback situation. They fully committed to Eli White mm-hmm. now. They, they, you know, Jeremiah Lee didn't take any snaps at quarterback. So this is Eli's team, a young guy who's, who's figuring it out. Imagine being thrown in there playing against a team who hasn't lost a regular season yeah. game in four years. I, I know. Go get him, young man. That's tough. But he needs that. <laughs> He's not going to see anything better. He's not going to see anything better. And... um you know, he saw it now, and uh, he'll keep getting better going forward. Um, you know, listening to the game a little bit on the radio, um, you know, you heard Jeremiah Lee's name called all the time. You know, that kid's running around everywhere doing everything. Um, I, I feel I feel bad for Jeremiah um, because, you know, I want to see him have a chance to make plays, to get the ball, you know, in plays, in, in spaces where he can make plays. And it's difficult for him, I'm sure, with, with a young quarterback, with, with a team right now that's not playing – up to the standard of the program, um, that he's not getting the chance to go out there and display everything he can do. Um, you know, I, I sure hope he's uh, maintaining a positive attitude and still yes. going out there and doing everything he can to That's help his crucial team. Crucial. That's hard. That, that would be hard for me if I was somebody as talented as Jeremiah. And your it. team's struggling, and you know, you don't know if you're going to get the ball in places where you can be successful with it. You know, it, it would be something that would be easy to walk away and just say, "Man, you know, it's the, we don't we don't got it. We don't got it." But you know. Um, if there's one guy you can expect that would get the best out of Jeremiah, it's the head coach out of Cooper. Yes. Connor, 40, Boone County, 0. Connor moves to 2-0 and on the season behind Roy Colton's three-touchdown night. He ran the ball 11 times for 120 yards. He also had, 33, had a 33-yard catch. Uh, Alex Castrusi with another really good game, 11-14, 184 yards, and a touchdown passes to Elijah Thompson and T.J. Williams. Alex also ran for a touchdown. Cody Crawford led the receiving core with four catches for 79 yards, and Thompson had 38 receiving yards. It's like quarterback you out there, bro. You know, Coach Trosper, Coach Eviston, those guys, they put together. You know, and even Greg Hergert at, at Beachwood, too. Mm-hmm. Quarterback dudes yeah, that just year after year throw out guys that can just get it done. Every year they put up big numbers. Um, and efficient numbers for Alex Castruzzi, 11 for 14. Yeah. That's impressive. And, um, you know, it's the same names we see keep popping for Connor making plays. Cody Crawford had that huge pick six against Campbell County. In this game, he has five touches for 92 yards. Also recovers a fumble. Elijah Thompson, not just a touchdown catch. He also has an interception. So there are some guys out there that are making plays, not just on one side of the ball, but both sides of the ball. Carter Lindeman, six tackles. He had a sack. Cooper Elliston, two tackles for loss. Had a sack. 
we expected Connor to go out there and, and put a number on Boone County, and they did. And that's what good teams do. When they play teams are better than, they win, and they won big. Yeah, Parker Hitsfield, another nice game, five tackles on D. That kid's a stud. And a thought on Boone, this is why it was so important for Boone to, to beat Scott because we talked about you know that the schedule for them gets difficult. I think they have Cuffcath coming up sometime soon uh, playing Connor. We knew there would be um, you know an uphill battle for Boone County in this game. But for for Coach to give his guys a chance to see a win because they lost, I believe, their last eight last year. And if they would have lost the game to Scott and didn't come back and win that game, they were going to be on a long losing streak to start this year, perhaps. So that was why it was so important for Boone County um, to get that win against Scott and and kind of have that one in the back pocket mm-hmm. to see, hey, we can do it and get that reward for everything they do at practice every day of the week. And, uh, yeah, that's why it was important because their schedule's tough. Dayton, 30. Bracken County, 8. Devils! Dayton moves to 3-0 in the year. On the backs of Trey James, Nolan Brooks, and Braden Comstock. Big night for this three-headed devil. James rushed for 77 yards and two touchdowns. Nolan Brooks was two of six for 38 yards, including a 25-yard touchdown pass to Chris Backick just before the half. Nolan also ran the ball seven times for 56 yards. Braden Comstock had a monster night. Three carries for 40 yards. A fumble recovery just before the half that uh, went for a touchdown. It was like 50 yards, I'm pretty sure it was. He also had two two-point conversions. Um, he also led the Fighting Herbst defenders with six tackles. Eric Jimenez had five-and-a-half tackles, three of which were for a loss. Isaiah Lovins also had five-and-a-half tackles, and Trey James had four. Big win for the D-Town crew after the loss of Jordan Marksbury. They needed this balanced attack. Hopefully this will continue. A 3-0 start is just awesome. Do you know when the last time Dayton started 3-0? and Well, 96. Was it? 96, 97. I look back on the KHSAA's website. It only goes back to 98, and they had not had a 3-0 start back to 98. So 96, they were unbelievable. 95, 96, 97 was a really good period there. Even 94. Okay. Just a really good uh, really good run for them. So I, I don't know. I'll have to look. So back to the mid-90s. At we're talking about something a quarter of a century since they've been 3-0. and Good for mm-hmm. them. Oldham County, 17. Camel County, 14. Tough loss for the Camels in this one on a night where – Quarterback Justin Little returns to the lineup, throws for 108, runs for 93, and uh, touchdown. But Wolf D only gave up 230 yards of total offense and one rushing touchdown, but a kickoff return for six and an Oldham County field goal doomed the Camels at home. Again, big season so far for field goal kickers. And another game where a field goal is the difference. Campbell missed two field goals in this one. Did they? And you talk about a team, obviously, who played really good defense in Campbell County only giving up 17 points, and one of those touchdowns comes on a kickoff return. Man, <laughs> I, I'm sure that has to frustrate a that coaching is. staff when you do everything right yeah. defensively. And that's why you rep special teams. Special teams are important. They can be game winners. And obviously, this special teams change this game with the, the missed field goals and also the kickoff return for a touchdown. Crosley Gray ran for 56 yards and a touchdown. Wes Barth led all receivers with f- 61 yards on five catches. Creed Marr led the defense with seven tackles. Sam Sprinkle and Caden Morency each had five, with Caden also recording a sack. Preston Agee, a favorite of the show, held only 19 rushing yards and two carries. I don't know how much he played on offense. Yeah, with only him. two carries? Yeah, that's that's a low I number. I don't know him. what that's about. He's too good to not <laughs> touch the ball. So let's go into these week four matchups. Pikeville at Campbell County. Just talked about Campbell. Tough loss there. Pikeville's 
really good program. They're busting out state championships down there. Campbell County's really going to have to lock in on D. Look, and they got they got to score points this week. Got to find ways to score points. Need to find ways to run the ball. Got to find ways to pass the ball. It's good to have Justin Little back in the lineup. Ludlow at Lloyd. This interests me. You know, the tap outs, we've seen that they can score points. Mm -hmm. But Lloyd coming out the first week and just unloading on a Bellevue team that obviously they were overmatched. But Lloyd's got weapons as well. They bounce it out with a bunch of dudes. Should be interesting there. I was very impressed by Lloyd. I said it. You heard it. Uh, Ludlow can score. Uh, Ludlow has not shown the ability so far to be able to slow things down defensively, slow teams down. Lloyd really impressed me week one. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this game now that the competition steps up a little bit from from Bellevue now to Lloyd or to Ludlow. I think Ludlow or Lloyd can do something pretty special this year. I do. Agree. I think I think they're they're I well agree. coached, and you know when you, when you see a coach have the kind of energy that coach had on Friday night. I know a lot of it was the atmosphere, getting the kids back on the field, but I could just sense that he could sense something special about this team. I think Lloyd can go on a nice run this year and, and really turn some heads and continue to build on what is the one of the more under-talked about programs around. Look, and getting wins prior to the district game against Beachwood is going to be critical for them. Massive. Have confidence going in there. Get your defense right to play against that offense. And then hopefully your offense is going to score against that defense. Just keep busting it out. Cuffcath at Boone County. That one's not about the matchup. Again, it's more about Cuffcath continuing to find ways to get their offense going. We, we saw that the final result against Cooper was a 40-plus point win, but it, it took a quarter for them to kind of get into a groove and feel better about their offense. No penalties, no mm -hmm. turnovers, just like they had last game. Caleb Jacob, again, starting to put up bigger numbers, uh, getting more guys involved. Ethan Reardon, we know he's a great player, but this Ryan Schneider... Uh, young man, he re he really pops every time I watch Cubcat play. He's a playmaker, a guy who can make some plays. Um, and then Owen Nally, a guy that uh, obviously um, has solidified the backfield at Cubcat. This is all about the Colonels again, continuing to keep that regular season winning streak going. Um, that is continue is like 33, 34 games now they've won in the regular season in a row. But just continue to keep getting better. Um, and, and continue to improve as they try to get deeper in the year and play more important games and then try to make another run at the state championship. Newport will drive down the road and play Bellevue at Bellevue, a game that Newport needs to get healthy as well, man. Or just walk down the street. Walk down the street. That's it. Do real man's work. You know, <laughs> have, have a good offensive night. Get some positivity there. Do they have a name for this game? I don't know. They should. I feel like they do, but I escapes me right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have a battle for the paddle when, when Bellevue and Dayton play. Should be the underpass. I was going to say, like, the underpass <laughs> knock the fence down. <laughs> Is there, like, a secret pathway? No, I don't There's nothing? So. No, there should be. We could probably make one. I like that, the underpass. In a game that a lot of eyes will be on, Dixie at Beachwood. Man, I, I'll let you go with this one. This is the biggest game of the week, Northern Kentucky? I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's... Look, one of those, hold on a second, hold on. Each one of these kids and these teams, they work hard all week. It's the biggest game in town for them. Yeah. So that's not That's fair. all that matters. But but for your business, you can say that. Yeah, I, I think to me, this is the one that stands out as as two teams that I think are two of the better teams in northern Kentucky that uh, are going to be on the same field. Um, you know, we, we talk so much about Cameron Hergett. Obviously, Logan Landers is a kid who makes plays at quarterback for Dixie. I have a hard time figuring out who's going to win this game. Because 
obviously Dixie's coming with the, the size, the numbers from a 6A program to play against Beachwood, who has all these skilled position players and the best quarterback around. This, to me, is... This this might be the number one feature game on the final quarter on Friday night. That's how big of a game Dixie at Beachwood feels to me. Dixie finally got the win. They're finally on the board, one and two. Um, Beachwood looks like a state championship team to me. Dixie looks like one of the better teams in 6A in Northern Kentucky. To see these two teams on the same field, I'm excited. I, I'm excited. I think this has a chance to be a really good football game. And they both played a common opponent really close. They did. Which has got to give confidence both ways. Yeah. So, Covcath... Only beat Beachwood by what? Less than a field goal? Two. Yep. And then Cuffcath only beat Dixie by a touchdown. Yeah. So, yeah. Transitive property. It always works every time. Need a big nine from our dude. Pierce? Mm-hmm. Pierce Roman, they do. Yeah. Got to keep the ball out of Cam Hergett's hands. That's true. Riled will travel to Scott County. Scott County's undefeated. Look, Scott County is a monster program as well. You want to win 6A. You want to go far in the playoffs. You got to play teams like this. Going down to Jim McKee is a... Incredible coach at Scott County. You know, he's a state championship coach. They continuously to run off, you know, 10, 12, 13 win seasons. They do it right down there. Ryle needs to go down and they need to play well. Simon Kenton will travel to Russell. I don't know much about Russell. All I know about Russell is their schedule, and they've won their first three games 130 to 15 wow. by a combined score. So they can score points. They can play defense. What kind of competition they're playing, I'm not sure of. But they've been impressive so far for three weeks. And it'll be interesting to see Simon Kenton as a wounded animal here this week. How they respond after losing by 30 points to Johnson Central to see if they turn it around and take it out on Russell. This is, good. This is a good game for them to bounce back on. Russell's a pretty solid Eastern Kentucky program. Here's the other thing. You talked about Cuffcalf having all those penalty yards and then coming back and getting everything done. You know practice was hell this week for those kids. Practice is going to be hell for... The fighting Marks Berries. Yes. I'm, it should I'm be. I'm going to promise you that. Yeah. He knew going into this season, having to redo his schedule, and we talked to him for the one-on-one shows, he knew it was going to be tough. But this is not a guy that coaches that it's okay to lose and it's okay to get embarrassed and give up almost 700 yards of offense. They're going to be ready to go this week. Harrison County at Scott looking for a win for the Eagles here. Eagles Eagles need a win. Yeah. You know, seed game. Eagles need a win. We need a big game from Gus Hallett. We need a big game from the receivers. We need a big game defensively. Zach Shepard's been playing well defensively. You know, we need to lead this defense, man. Get some stops. Get some tackles. Harrison County is one and two. Uh, They're also coming off of a loss. But Harrison County, again, they got to go. They play Rowan County at home the next week. So, they're you know, they're going to be after a win as well. But we need the Eagles to get a win here. Walton Verona will travel to Carroll County. Carroll County's played very well as well but Walton Verona getting that win getting some confidence I like this district win for them hopefully as A. Eugenio Suarez likes to say good vibes only good vibes only good vibes only for Walton Verona getting that win the schedule was tough got the yeah. win I think you're going to see Walton Verona start to take off a little bit GRC will travel to Cooper uh, GRC is 0-2 on the year but man I'll tell you they played Southwestern and in Scott County and they've got cats that can play so Cooper Cooper needs something good. Come on, happen, Cooper. Man. Yeah, they need something good. Come to happen on here. Holy Cross will travel to Sayer. Don't know much about Sayer. Holy Cross again played with some without some key players this week that were hurt. Hopefully they're back, ready to go, and they go down there and they can represent. Hey, the North remembers. Let's get down there and get it done. Rowan County will travel to Holmes. Holmes needs something good to happen too. Rowan County obviously sitting at the top of this district. 
Holmes Dean needs to get some stops. They do. And it's time for the offense to wake up a little bit. That's been a little disappointing. Yeah. And I know they had some some banged up players. Sure. Without you know, without Tay Holloway this week. That's tough. That that's a team that a lot was expected of this year because of the Callaway brothers and what they can bring. And we've seen other guys who have made plays throughout the year. Holmes can score. Holmes can make big plays. At some point this season, it's going to happen. They're going to bust out. They're going to make plays. They're going to feel better about themselves. And you can see that kind of thing coming down the road. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen for Holmes. It's, it's going to happen. These guys are too talented not to go out and make big plays. At some point this year, it's going to hit. Maybe this is the week where Holmes starts yeah. to make the big plays we know they're capable of making. And this is big if Holmes wants to get that one seat in the district. Round County wins this game. They've all but locked it up. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge, huge game. Um, for Look, and no one wants to make that drive going to the playoffs. Right, for the Bulldogs this week. Dayton will travel to Trimble County. Trimble County is 1-2 and two on the year. Look, 4-0 start for the Green Devils. 4-0. The three-headed devil, the fighting Herps D. Man. We'll lead off with this game. Devil's going to get a win. This game's going to be the prominent feature. Forget this, what is it, Dixie at Beachwood game. So it's that's going to be the Dubells. That's the homework this week <laughs> is to figure out when's the last time Dayton started three and zero, and then let's go ahead and find out when's the last time they guy. started four and zero. You know a guy. I know a guy. So let's get them to four and zero, and let's let's do something that hasn't been done Dayton for more than twenty five years. Devils. Uh, Nicholas County will travel to Brossard. We talked about this before. A huge game. We talked to Coach Wiggins. It is going to be imperative to stop their running game. This young man for Nicholas County is a stud. He is a beast. And where he goes, Nicholas County goes. What are they, the Blue Jackets? Blue Jackets, yes. There you go. Look, they don't play around. You know, this half house went down there and they saw that. You know, need Brossert to have a same kind of offensive output next week. Light it up, Jacob. Highlands on Saturday night will travel to Connor, which I'm pretty sure is that Channel 64 game of the You would week. think it'd be on Saturday I, yeah, as a standalone game. I saw in somewhere there was a... It was listed as a Friday game, so the fact that it's Saturday, it's got to be, they have to have moved it from that. Look, here we go. Connor's going to be ready to smack somebody in the mouth. They're here. This is how we do things here on Saturday night. That's the <laughs> other game that I'm you know, kind of circling a little yeah. bit this weekend is, look, Connor, they're not messing around. No, um, no. They're putting up numbers. They're winning games, and uh, they have a good team and a good coach. But, you know, here comes Highlands. Um, again, that wounded animal mentality. They've, they've settled on their quarterback. We know Charlie Noon's their guy going forward. They got punched in the mouth by Bull County. And now they have to go play Connor on the road. Eyeballs watching. Interesting. This is one of those circle the wagons kind of games. What kind of pride do you got? What, what, you know, what are you made of? Um, are, are you the kind of team? Or are you the kind of person who's going to just take it, take your licks and, you know, just accept it? Or are you going to do something to change it? Are you going to do something about it? I think this is kind of a look-in-the-mirror moment for Highlands a little bit. I'd really like to be at Highlands practice this week because you know that they're going to get after it. The thing is, though, is, you know, it's it's one of those things, you know, you can look in the mirror and, and you can figure out, hey, we're better than this. We, we can play better football. We will play better football. But then you step on the field and you're playing against yeah. a really good team. Yeah. And so you could even go out there and play your best game of the year, play a lot better, and still lose. But I, I think for me, to, at this point, for Highlands, it's just playing better football. Result against Connor, I don't know if they're going to get the result they want because Connor is a really good team, and they've shown that so far this year. Um, but Highlands doesn't forget what happened last year in the playoffs. They, they don't lose first-round games, and, and Connor went and got them. They don't get got very often. They got got, they got by got. Connor. Dave Trosper is a, an incredible football coach. 
He's really good at preparing his teams. He always has been. You know, I I just really hope this is a great game. I don't care if it ends 50 to 49. I don't care. I just hope it's a really good game for both kids. Yep. Joe, you got any final thoughts? Man, we're in this now. We're in it. We were in it. You know, know, people wondered how many games would we get in. It, It kind of feels like we're into a routine now of, you know, kids going to practice, kids playing games. And we've seen throughout the state there have been some cancellations. Um, Knock wood, we've been all right here. That's it. Knock on that wood. We, we've, you know, our, our local teams have done things right. They've, they've gotten it done. And here we are. We're starting to see a little bit of some of the teams that are separating themselves a little bit. Beachwood has separated itself a little bit. Connor is starting to move in that conversation a little bit. Simon Kenton, you know, got, got smacked around a little bit. Didn't expect it to be that kind of number. But, you know, the teams we expected to be really good are proving they are good. And um, the teams that we want to see improvements from, this is a big week for them. This is a big week for the teams like Holmes, the teams like Highlands, the teams that we expect to be better than Scott. what they're showing. Mm-hmm. Scott, that's yep. another team. Yeah, yep. certainly that uh, is off to, and I think Coach would tell you, a disappointing start to go out there and play better football because, look, yeah, we're three weeks into it, but it's only three weeks. We got the whole season ahead of us. Go out there, play better football, start to play the way they're capable of playing. Jeremy, final thoughts? We're midseason now. A lot of district games coming up. A lot of exciting games coming up. You know, where what seed you going to get in the playoffs? Where are you going to play? Are you going to be at home? Are you going to be on the road? Who are you playing? So, like I said, we're in the thick of it. These district games are going to be fun. Also, next week, a lot of kids go back to school in person. Yes, that's true. So, how does that affect things? Yeah, how does that affect? Does that help in a positive way? Right. Their routine now kind of goes back to being a creature of habit where yep. they're used to being in the past. Right. I I couldn't imagine being at home all day long and then having to go to practice and putting in full effort when I've been sitting in front of a computer all day. Yeah. I don't know. No, I'm with you. I think it's a, di- I That's think a it's good a difference point. maker. I think yeah. it's a positive difference. It's going to be a positive person. And I think my last thought here is number one, this needs to be a healthy week. Two big losses in Northern Kentucky last week. And no one likes to talk about her kids and I don't like putting bad karma in the world. So um, just need everybody to stay healthy. Let's coach hard. Let's play hard. Let's officiate hard. Hey, Another one, the refs have been great too, man. Boy, the refs keep stopping me and talking to me about the podcast. See, there you go. You must have a lot of I must know a guy. In officiating. I don't know. I know. You kind of started yelling I was, at one I, point I, about an officiating I, I call Friday, Friday night. night. Friday night. I was reffing from the stands. You can't take it out of you. I was reffing from the stands. And I don't mean it like in a negative way. There was... There was a play. Newport's Newport headed a, a, an unsportsmanlike conduct on, I believe, the bench, and I don't know if it was on Joe Wynn. Or I don't know who it was on because it was so far away, and I was just trying to figure out what in the hell had happened. But then the juices started flowing a little bit, and as plays started to happen, you mentioned yeah. Alex Green earlier. He had a touchdown run up the sideline. Well, he got hit at like the four, and his helmet flew off. And, and I'm immediately like stopping the clock. With did you actually the, wave oh, your hand? Oh, you would have yeah. thought he was actually on the I, field officiating. Yes. Like he's running because down no the fence in the yeah. open area. The, it, they, it went live. And when the, when the helmet comes off the ball carrier, the play is dead. And I'm explaining to fans what happened, <laughs> like on the rule, because they're like, "What happened over there?" And like, "Hey, man, what do you want me to do?" It was like he was talking to the coach, like his intensity about I explaining a, the call. I needed to be on like the, the headset that they've got. That way I could just whatever. And then we had a intentional grounding that I was going through. So. You need to be like Mike Pereira on Fox. That's it. Like the consult who pops in. That's it. What are your thoughts on this play? You know, that's yeah. it. Well, that's hey, it. I know a guy there too. Mike, Matt Young, the director of officials for the OBC, is also the 
the boss man here, so maybe he can get me on there. So, well, from Joe Daneman, Jeremy Ziegler, I'm Steve Frohmeyer. We really appreciate you guys listening. Keep spreading the word. We will see you next week. <laughs>